The OAM Network is an independently run podcast and live production company in Memphis, Tennessee. TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. I read 30 books last year. You could check my Goodreads. I got stats. Really? 30 books? 30 books last year. Are you reading on the beach? Or are you reading on, like before you go to bed? Or before just I go to it? bed, when I wake up, and in the middle of the day. How many of those are audio books? <clears throat> oh, Maybe just like two. Oh, I wouldn't even went there. <laughs> You count like, those as reading? Yeah, of course they count them as reading. You count, you're listening. Yeah, that's reading. You can cut well, back I, and forth. I listen to like a 300 podcasts. So I've read more books than you. <laughs> yeah. No, but a podcast is not a book. That's like saying I'm having conversation as a podcast. Every, you need the microphone. Well, now we're in a Schrodinger's cat situation yeah. because we've, we, are, we are having a conversation while on a podcast. And that's, then... Yeah, that's true. If someone then, counts yeah. a conversation as a book, they need to be shot. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot of reading today. I listened to Dr. Heckle, the book. <laughs> Welcome to Dr. Heckle. The science communication podcast has got the horses in the back. Horse tack is attached. His matte black got the boots that's black to match. On today's episode, a new class of respiratory virus, pool habits of Americans, and Schrodinger's ethics. Welcome to Dr. Heckle, science communication podcast that has outlasted British Prime Minister Theresa May. With me on the show today, with a master's in urban education from Union University, comedian Sammy Anza. Hello. And, and three credits short of a history degree from Ole Miss University, comedian Will Loden. It's the University of Mississippi. We go by Ole Miss. <laughs> and I am your host, Mark Brimble. And we've got a special production assistant. He's back, Mr. Hunter Sandlin, over on the ones and twos. <clears throat> Hello. <laughs> so the boys are back in town. This is all of the founding members of the comedy collective from Memphis, Comma mm-hmm. Comedians. Mm-hmm. Sammy, you've moved to Denver. That's right. About two years ago. Tell us what's been going on over there. Well, there's a lot of altitude. Um, not as much soul food as Memphis. Um, great place for green chili. You guys know about green chili? No. It's like the dish of um, Denver yeah. or Colorado. They take like green peppers of some kind, like spicy, and it's sometimes it's a sauce, sometimes it's a soup sometimes it's a dip it's instead of having queso basically sometimes mm. yeah is so. it good yeah <laughs> that was yeah. a strong affirmation there Haas. yeah yeah it is and uh and comedically what have you been doing out there oh man a lot uh not too not too long ago i filmed a video with the city of denver visit denver and the department of tourism there where I go in, it's called Comedians Doing Stuff in Denver. I go into a chef's kitchen, uh, Andrea Fritzi, and I go around and I mess, mess things up for him. How messed up did it get? Just, just quaint enough. But I did learn how to make a mushroom risotto. So if you guys want that, come over to the house. I'll make, you, I'll make that for you. Make one in between the two sections, mate. Okay. All right. <laughs> and we can make mouth noises and say that we're eating it. <laughs> And and Will, other member of Comma Comedians, founder, uh, what's been going on? Tell us what's been going on here with the Comma Comedians. Well, we're running six, seven shows a month now. Uh, we've got a show at Crosstown Brewery. We've got our flagship show at Memphis Made. You can find us out at Meddlesome Brewery, or we run uh, a bi-weekly show at Local Downtown. And our newest show is at the Mississippi Ale House out in Olive Branch. Ten- tide. <laughs> Tendrils <laughs> spreading out into the... Into the ether. Slowly but surely. And then in August, I'm going to open for Kevin McDonald in Shreveport. So that'll be fun. Oh, nice. That's great. Like Kids in the Hall, Kevin McDonald? Yeah, like Kids in the Hall, Kevin McDonald. How did you? That's awesome. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I did that just for Hunter. I never watched a lot of Kids in the Hall, but all of my nerdy friends get really jealous when I tell them that. (laughs) Well, I I had to pay like $200 to hang out with them. Yeah, no. (laughs) You learned sketch writing from him, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Pretty much going to wipe him off the map. There you go. Yeah. With, with, with your hey, you should give him some notes after his set. Totally. Yeah. I'll bet he'll love that. Yeah, that'll be great. So uh, Colorado is definitely not like the South, right? No. So, uh, you know, we've, we've got a handle on running shows in, in Memphis. What would you say is different about the comedy scene in Denver compared to 
here in Memphis? Because you've done both. Yeah, I, I think that comedy is a lot more established there. Um, so it's not, un, you know, there's a lot of shows. There's a lot going on. It's like a pretty young city. So like if you walk into a place and you see a comedy show, it's like it's like not a foreign thing. Almost every brewery has one and there's like breweries everywhere. Um, and the audience is just ready there. There's probably someone at some night who wants to see comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a bigger city, right? You know what? I Was it you who was telling me that the population is smaller or the same? Yeah. It just feels so much more. Like, there's a lot more traffic. It's a lot more condensed. I couldn't figure it out because, like, I guess there's, like, a lot of towns around it. That... Yeah. So, they have, like, suburbs and exurbs out there that are, like... Their metro yeah. is bigger. Their, metro, Their whole yeah. DMA is bigger. Yeah, I think yeah. the metro is bigger. But also, like, isn't, like, Germantown incorporated into Memphis, even though it's, like, very clearly the suburbs... Maybe the city just wanted the tax dollars and they like annexed it. I don't know what annexed means. I just threw that in there. I don't know if that means <laughs> in there or out of there, but so it's either something's being cleaved off or added in. Yeah, annexed. Yep. But <laughs> I thought you were gonna. It doesn't have its own mayor, so they just come take everything from it. Yeah, I wanted to vote in the elections, but I technically live in a place called Inglewood, which oh. is like two blocks from the border. And I couldn't vote on the historic decriminalization of mushrooms or the historic don't let homeless people sleep wherever they want um, legislation. I didn't hear about that one. Did that one also pass? Failed. It failed. But I think in Seattle and, or San Diego, some cities like that, homeless people are allowed to like camp wherever they want because of like human rights or something like that. Mm. And um, there's just a huge, huge homeless population there. So, Sammy, you uh, recently, under the Comic Comedian's name, uh, recorded a show at a theatre called It Might Be a Netflix Special. That's right. And uh, that is what I'm going to link into science today. Oh, okay. So, it, at this moment, before you figured out any publishing, it is both a Netflix special and it is not a Netflix special That's at once. Cool. Kind of like Schrodinger's cat. Okay. The dead or, you know, until you observe it, it's both exists in the state of... Dead or alive. I kind of don't know what it is, but it's like a cat that's in a box or something. Yeah, basically, it's a, it's a uh, analogy to talk about um, how you can like view particles. You can e- and uh, basically, until you look at the cat in the box, you can't say whether it but exists both in the live state and the dead state. And so this was an analogy used by Schrodinger, who is one of the like uh, founding fathers of modern particle physics, but um. I'm gonna most so most particle physicists or most physicists achieve their great uh, their greatness their best works in their uh, by their early twenties and then they never achieve the same level of fame again. Why? Um, it's uh, math. This happens with mathematicians and it seems to happen with physicists as well. Uh, that I'm not. Re- I have no idea why. But Schrödinger is a bit different in that he had not too much of a distinguished career. Uh, in his early years, and then at the age of 38, had a flurry of activity, like uh, published four papers in a row that changed particle physics forever. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I found a story from uh, the New York Times archives. This is uh, from a 1990 article article that explained how he ended up publishing uh, his work on wave particle duality, so his wave equation. So My favorite. So a few days before Christmas in 1925, this is from the New York Times article, Schrodinger, a Viennese-born professor of physics at the University of Zurich, took off for a two-and-a-half-week vacation at a villa in the Swiss alpine town of Arosa. Leaving his wife in Zurich, he took along uh, a thesis of another physicist, de Broglie, and an old Viennese girlfriend whose identity remains a mystery, and two pearls. He put a pearl in each ear to screen out any noise and put... (laughs) <laughs> the New York Times article from 1990 says he put the woman in bed for inspiration and then set to work on wave mechanics, came back two and a half weeks later and had a huge, great discovery that changed the course of uh, modern physics. And, and by the 1960s had been incited or like used as the inspiration for more than 100,000 scientific papers. So that's when he came up with the cat box? That's when he came up with his wave equation, one of his four... Um, four main papers that changed the uh, course of particle physics. What do you think about his methods? He put 
to a pearl in each ear. Yeah. So this man has enough pearls on deck that he can just like. Had, what's wrong with tissue paper? He had at least two pearls. Yeah, he has at least. Uh, you know how many? It pearls was nineteen. I it was zero. It was nineteen twenty-five. There was no such thing as noise canceling headphones. What about? What about like taking a piece of tissue paper, balling it up, put it in there? They had just come out with TP in nineteen oh six, so it hadn't really caught on yet. Oh, and it might have been the coarse kind as well. <laughs> oh, the coarse kind. And it was the kind that just laid there, and you looked at it because no one flushed. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I guess pearls potentially could have been a good choice to to cancel that that out. All right. Did he then sell the pearls? I have a lot of questions about the pearls because I'm not the the wave mechanic theory is it's beyond you. It's beyond me. Yeah. That's fine. It's beyond me as well. <laughs> What's your theory for why these physicists? Come out with their their hot stuff when, in their twenties and thirties, and then fall off. Cocaine, because uh, they they're working towards getting it. You know, like. And then after they get tenure, they're, they're, they're like studying. They aren't like blowing it everywhere yet. What year is this? Uh, this is nineteen twenty-five. By the yeah, way, the new voice you've heard. Antibiotics. They had to get it at, in like twenties and thirties because you're dead at forty-five. <laughs> so you better do the bulk of your work while you still have your health before you get like cut on the Lord before you cough, nail, yeah, and then you're done. The, yeah, the new voice you're hearing on the microphone is uh, radio DJ ninety-eight one the max, Mister Ross Turner. Welcome, welcome to the show. Part like the lazy Susan of people you get to allow in this room right now. <laughs> have an idea for a podcast or a live talk show? Call nine zero one eight hundred. 7608 or email info at the oamnetwork.com today and pitch your show. Dr. Heckle is sponsored by Comma Comedians. Comma Comedians is a comedy collective based in Memphis, Tennessee that runs free comedy shows all across the city. Here is the June show listing for 2019. There is June 5th at local downtown. June 7th at the Mississippi Ale House in Olive Branch. June 8th at Memphis Mate Brewing for Drafts and Laughs. June 19th also at Local Downtown. June 27th for Dark Match Comedy at Meddlesome Brewing. And June 28th at Crosstown Brewing Company. These shows feature comedians from all across the country. And what's better is it's absolutely free. So come on out to one of these shows and enjoy yourselves. For more information, follow Comma Comedians on Facebook or Instagram. That's at Comma, C-O-M-M-A, Comedians proud sponsor of Dr. Heckle. Hey everyone, this is Ezra Wheeler, the host of Memphis Musicology, the official podcast of the Memphis Rock and Soul Museum. Every couple weeks on the show, we discuss the past, present, and future of Memphis music, covering everything from high records to the latest show at the high tone. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course, right here on the OAMnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Heckle Podcast. We move on to our news item of the week. Today's article comes from the New York Daily News, and the title of the article is Half of Americans admit to using swimming pool as substitute for a shower. Survey finds. Yeah. No. Yeah. This no. is true, and I've seen it in action. No. I got a good I got a legit story of a man who thought that now he finally arrived and he owned his pool. He never had to shower again. <laughs> What caliber of man are you associating man, yourself with? It's like like two steps from Viking. Two steps from Viking. When I live with my parents, that's how I function. Like I would once a week I would take a shower and the rest of the time I'm like, you know what can't get all up in there is a shower. But the swimming pool can. <laughs> all up in there? Yeah, like right in your your gray area. You just do handstands in the tub. Because uh, there's gravity and I'm obese. <laughs> so uh, the Water Quality and Health Control Camp, uh, and Health Council found that 51% of Americans in a survey of 3,100 people uh, use swimming as a substitute for showering or use the pool to rinse off after exercise or yard work. So this article was sent in to us by Jim Farris, a previous guest on the show and chemist. Uh, so 51%? 51%. Which means it's really like 71% because 20% of those people were ashamed to say that. <laughs> That's usually how it works. Like the, what is it? 
Like 61% of people didn't admit who to washing their legs these poles? in the shower. Who, how many people? Who, yeah. I know like three people with pools. Right. You'll get there one day. <laughs> just the older you get, the more the, the, the air gets crisper, the more, the more success you get. Oh, wow. So, well, hey, 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 uh, guys, sorry, I'm taking a poll right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> how many of y'all prefer pools to showers? Me. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's, I, I do not. Wait, Hunter, so you're being legitimate. Yeah, you would answer yes to that survey. Yeah, I love to. I love to go swimming. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that is twenty percent of the people. He's like my fun noodles, noodles don't fit in the tub. Swimming swim trunks. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do. No, they're very I, Dude, when we went to the Wolf River last year, that was super fun. We need to yeah, do that again this to, year. That used to be a weekly thing. Yeah. I used to work. At, I used to do HVAC, uh, heating and air conditioning, up in New York. My brother-in-law, he bought his house, married to my sister. And he goes, yeah, I got, I got, a, they, they got a, a bigger house, and he got a pool, and he's like, I, this is the best. He's like, I'm like, what's the best? He's like, I never have to shower again. So no I'm, way. Like, I'm, I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I can just jump in the pool. I never like. So two weeks after he opened his pool, <laughs> now we're on job sites, and he's sitting there, and we're like crawl spaces, like putting in HVAC units, and he's just scratching and itching, and he pulls up his shirt, and he's got a fucking rash on his arm, <laughs> oh. and I'm like, what is going on? Are you okay? Would you like? You know what's going on? He's like, I, I don't know, dude. I, I shower, I, I jump in the pool every day. You know this, that, and the other. He hasn't been showering, so the chlorine is eating his skin, oh. and he's just, and, and it's just, he's getting rashes all over his body. It's on his back and stuff. And he's like, I just don't. And it didn't occur to him in his head at the time. He's like, Oh, maybe this isn't the right way to, to live life. But he was so excited. No one, I was going to take that joy away from him. My sister did that <laughs> like about like three weeks in. Yeah, because you like, like, what the again. fuck? You can't sleep in this bed with your chlorine burns. If I would have read that article without that story, I'd been like, yeah, that's not true. Right. But then no, knowing that people actually do it, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, people are savages. And then you just kind of, everybody's just kind of learning as they go. Right, right, right. So... <laughs> So uh, some 48% of Americans report they've never showered before swimming. You know, those showers that you're meant to use, I guess, for a minute uh, before swimming. And uh, 40% of Ameri- the Americans surveyed admit admit that they've peed in the pool as an adult. Oh, 40%? yes. That's, That's it. it. <laughs> How many people in this room have peed in the pool? Because I'm not oh, getting, 100. once I'm in, I'm not getting, That's, I already have my shirt off. You're not getting another that look at these. Yeah. Yeah. 100% of us. Wait, Mark, no, you no, have not. 80% of us. I, <laughs> wow. I would not do it. Only 80% not, of us are really living in here. Yeah. <laughs> There's not about, a pool I haven't peed in. Yeah. Every what about pool, pool that I've gone Memorial Day. We- it's Memorial Day yeah. weekend. You're getting it's bombed, jumping in the pool, and just taking a huge piss. Yeah, I-, I went sober. The more sober I am, the more I'll pick the spot of the pool that I'm going to be in. You know what's crazy? I went to the beach in Israel, and when you go there, they have bathrooms outside the beach where they charge you for. And I had to pee, and I was going to the bathroom, and they're like, you know, 25 cents or whatever. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you crazy? <laughs> like, the bathroom right there. I yelled it in that woman's face. She only spoke Hebrew. <laughs> so, Is it weird? It's weird. Europe, Europe yeah, they, they charge you for public restrooms. Yeah. It's no, Not me. I'll piss my pants. And you got to take a full-on dick-out shower, like, before you go swimming over there, too. And yeah. Like, they come around and like, are you using soap in your ass right now? <laughs> like, they have diagrams on the wall and stuff. <laughs> Wait, who, all right. All right. So, who jumps in the chlorine. shower before it cleans himself off before they jump in the pool? No, not me. People that are going to swim somewhere where they don't have chlorine. So, it's like a courtesy thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, like so the saltwater pools are a big big I've thing. Never Wait, so you that. can't I, piss in a salt chlorine <laughs> <laughs> pool, saltwater pool, freshwater you know, pool, spring pool. I'm peeing. If it's too salty, it'll sting your urethra. Aquasil. So if I was in when I was in Israel, I went to the Dead Sea, and you guys know that the sea has so much salt in it that the buoyancy will cause people to float. Yeah. Right. But if you try to pee in there, which I did. <laughs> the yeah. moment you start peeing in there, it like opens your urethra for oh, peeing gosh. and salt goes yeah. in there and it that's stings. Just, that's just because yeah, you have gonorrhea. Sting. I have a hard time. No, no, no. I cannot pee in the ocean very well. Like, it's hard to produce enough pressure. Like, if you've been drinking. <laughs> <all day>. like, <laughs> and, no, there's, there's chemistry to it. Like, no, 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 no,
like my urine content and the ocean, the water content are pretty similar. And so it's not like dying. The pressure is not, not it's like, there's a lot of pressure in here yeah. squished around. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's really hard. Like most people are like, I'm just going to go piss in the water. And I'm like, all right, I, me too. And it takes me like 14 minutes. <laughs> so what happens? Like you, you, you try to push and it doesn't come out or and it just, comes out very yeah. quickly or no, what? it doesn't What's come out thing? very quick. It comes out really slowly. They're like, why are you just staring? Your, your dick needs one of those like space depressurized like rooms before. Like someone needs yeah. like, like a decompression chamber. I have to get it ready. Like a decompression chamber when you go like deep sea diving. <laughs> like an air mask for the dick. Yeah. But anyway, so I, I had the stinging salt in my urethra. And then. Oh, yeah. Old got, ass stinging salt. And then I got mad at the Dead Sea. And I was like, you're not going to tell me where I can. I can't piss. I walked out of the ocean. Took my dick out and peed directly on it. <laughs> so uh, this this survey of three thousand one hundred people that is that is revealing the worst traits of Americans, including you, Sammy. It's just Americans. I love yeah. I'm it's about to say Americans. I love it's Americans. Like, like you, you didn't just do Brexit. Europeans had pools. They would do it. Too, okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so this this survey of three thousand one hundred people. Uh, revealing all these traits was conducted by uh, the Sachs Media Group. So this wasn't an academic study. Uh, Sachs you Media don't say. Sachs Media Group is a PR firm, and the uh, one of the interesting things uh, that was pointed out by an NPR article about this very study. So this was reported in a lot of news outlets. Was that the Water Quality and Health Council was sponsored by the Chlorine Chemistry Division of the American Chemistry Council? So that's a trade group for the chlorine industry. So. Uh, what the NPR article posited was they're worried about the con- the rise of saltwater pools that takes business away from, you know, chlorinating ah, everything. And angle. so, ah. you know, if the, the idea is like, if you, th- if you realize that everyone going into these pools is like dirty, is, you know, um, not by a chlorinated pool instead of salt is, piss- is pissing in the pool and whatever that you're like, Oh yeah. Chlorinated pools all the way. Um, and you know, one, one thing that happens when you like, uh, you know, dirty up a pool is you need to use more chlorine because it you it basically the, the cleaning effect is like lost over time yeah um now it's just a bunch of guys in a smoky room like you know, the chlorine industry it's a poisonous now, poisonous <laughs> chemical yeah and they're just sitting there like yeah we gotta get these kids from pissing in pools yeah you see now Let's put it in the drinking water too yeah now you can't guarantee that these results aren't necessarily correct and especially from the anecdotal evidence you have there's clearly some portion of the population that is doing all of this it's just we don't we don't necessarily know that stringent um you know stringent uh, methods were adhered to what the uh survey did uh Reveal because I looked at actually all of the raw data. Uh, so there was a so twenty four percent of Americans from this survey said that they would go swimming in a pool within one hour of having diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so this was a graded question of like how long you would wait. How long would you? How long would you wait? I'd probably. I'd wait wait, I remember there's a. There's After a pool I, I went shit, to. Just jump in the pool. No, no, but you, you've got diarrhea. It's the same. It's There's the same. a yeah, pool in Indiana I went to, and it said, <laughs> you cannot swim in this pool if you've had diarrhea in the last two weeks. I'm like, there's never been a period in my life where I haven't had two weeks without diarrhea. <laughs> so, uh, okay, well, honor before, system. Before we get into it, what do we constitute diarrhea? So, I mean, they, they didn't necessarily. <laughs> what, what constitutes diarrhea? I've had, I've had duck water. What's duck water? Let's let's say <laughs> let's just say sickness, a sickness cause for the for for the sake of it. You've got to you've got to wait at least a day, surely. No, no. What are eat you a, talking no, about? No, no, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go to the pool on a day that I have. Well, to. no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Well, that's you your have stomach. diarrhea already, right? You're you're in your swimming trunks. You're like, wait a minute, I've got diarrhea. You go to the bathroom. You handle it. And then you're going to be like, you know what? I'm not going to go in the pool for the rest of the day? No. Yeah, that's not happening. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm so going back in the pool. For the same reason that people with Ebola go to airports, people are going to get in the pool yeah. with diarrhea. All right? So, like, so, there's no civic duty anymore. Like, no one would just quarantine themselves. Like, how many people... How many mother... How many motherfuckers <laughs> at, at P&H... Sorry, it's this filthy dive bar that we all go do comedy at. That I love. Come in there. I, oh, it's my favorite bar. I, I No, it's my favorite bar in yeah. the world. How many people come in there just... just coughing and like kind of feverish it's half of the sick days or vacation days you got to earn that's how i know it's gonna be plague i will go to work sick i don't care yeah that's 
Okay, so so with the, civic duty, man. With these respondents, uh, the largest the largest response group was waiting a day. That was thirty four percent. Three days was twenty one percent. One week twelve twelve percent. Two weeks nine percent. Uh, but a small subset subset of the respondents, five percent of people said they would wait fifteen minutes <laughs> after having diarrhea it's before not- going, and four percent. Uh, said zero minutes. Yeah, yeah. They were yeah. diarrhea in they the pool. They actually diarrhea in the pool. That was that, that's what that question means. We're Once you get liquid in a pool. <laughs> they come out of the place and they're still wiping their ass. Yeah. And doing a cannonball with the wipe. <laughs> those, those, those 4% are brave. So, this is the problem. Like, what's the difference between a solid shit and diarrhea that waiting to get in the pool? Your asshole closes. It, like, it's... It's a self-contained unit. So jumping in the pool is not a problem. As long as you wipe properly, diarrhea or solid doesn't even matter. That's not the, like, what's the problem? You, I'll tell you country. what, you would make a fantastic spokesman for, for the, the chlorine. <laughs> get the chlorine agency. Put Here me we in go. that get a, chlor- get a chlorinated pool. You can shit in it whenever you want. He <laughs> <laughs> just spit all over the mic. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't think we can deem this a scientific study. And therefore... Uh, we have to dub the Water Quality and Health Council and the New York Daily News fake news. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Have a service, project, or product you need to get the word out on? Call 901-800-7608 or email info at oamnetwork.com and ask about our podcast sponsorship packages. Welcome back to our final section where we take a journal article from the scientific literature explain it to our guests, see what they can take in and learn and explain back to us. Today's article comes from the journal Cell, Host and Microbe. The first author is Awa Abbas. The anchor author is Frederick Bushman. And it comes from the Department of Microbiology at the University of Pennsylvania. The title of the article is Redondo Viridae, a family of small circular DNA viruses of the human ororespiratory tract Associated with periodontis, dentitis, and critical illness. Okay, wait, can when I you can't guesses? read it right, how are we supposed to get this? Yeah. I got some guesses. I got some guesses. You got some guesses? I got some guesses. Uh, periodontis is some kind of um, erosion or inflammation of the gums or mouth. Correct. Okay. Uh, what was the other, the first part? Uh, redondo viriridae. Uh, redondo, I'm going to guess the, the, the root word is some kind of repeating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, redundancy. Okay. And then... What's the word a, after virate? Related a family it. of small circular DNA viruses of the human ororespiratory tract. Ororespiratory or, also has to do with the mouth. Yeah, so the mouth and the uh, respiratory tract. Yeah, yeah. Res- respiratory. And then oro, like, yes. Okay, so it's like some kind of DNA virus virus within the mouth. Yeah, and it's associated with this periodontitis and critical illness. So big dick energy over here. <laughs> I'm flexing. So redondo uh, viridae. So redondo is just Spanish for round. So these are circular DNA viruses. The DNA is just in a a, a looped circle. Um, so to understand this, uh, we basically need to understand. Uh, the viruses, they are the most abundant biological entities on Earth. But actually, we don't know everything about viruses. There are so many uncharacterized uh, viruses that are going to be out there. And so uh, it can be different, difficult to identify new viruses because they can often be very unique and not have sequences that are similar to other uh, viruses that have already been characterized. So you, if you get random sequence read from these these things called metagenomic studies, where you take you know whole DNA samples from you know different different samples that are collected, collected either from the Earth or from uh, from patients or from animals, uh, because there's often very little secret sequence like identity to other things. You you don't know how to assemble them together. You can't necessarily identify new viruses. Now there are many. Uh, single-stranded DNA viruses and many small circular vi- uh, viruses. So there's a, a class called the circular rep encoding single-strand DNA viruses or CRES viruses. So um, 
what this group did was they were basically looking at uh, the virome, what viral sequences in the human respiratory tract in healthy and diseased pe uh, people. So these these uh, um, samples are typically dominated by uh, viruses called anelloviruses. That they're, they're very common. They're a small uh, circular DNA virus. Uh, herpes virus is often found there, and uh, bacteriophages. Now, uh, bacteriophages are just uh, a virus that uh, parasitizes bacteria and replicates within within that. So you've got these different types of viruses. But uh, recently, they discovered some sequences that had similarity to these Cress viruses, these uh, circular uh, viruses that are found in pigs from lung, uh, lung samples. And so because they found sequences with similarity, they, they were looking oh. to assemble this new virus class because they could identify and like put it together. So are you saying <clears throat> that they found the same strain, for lack for, of my understanding, in pigs that they found in the human respiratory tract, and now they're wondering if there's a connection between them. Oh, you can get cat flu now? You can't get cat flu, uh, but kind of. So there's a previously identified type of virus that is in the, the national databases called porcine stool-associated circular virus. Pig poop. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. And uh, from these... Lung transplant recipient samples, uh, which had BAL samples taken, so basically you just have like a, uh, you basically have like a scope put down. It's called bronchioalveolar lavage. You put a bronchoscope down through the mouth or nose into the lungs. They squirt a little bit of fluid into a small part of the lung, and then they collect that, and then they examine that. And so what they recovered when they did basically uh, deep DNA sequencing on those samples was sequences that had some similarity to that porcine uh, stool-associated circular virus. So because it only had about 14%, but they used that basically as like a starting point and were able to assemble the sequence reads into these circular sequences. They figured out what the genome was of these new viruses. So from those samples, they discovered seven complete types of this a uh, virus that they they called it Redondo viridae, so they they named these Redondo viruses. So they got from these samples seven different uh, strains from independent samples that have been taken from those organ donors and patients with this disease called sarc uh, sarcoidosis. So what's the goal of being able to identify them to be able to come up with counters? To I, I would think that because like. What is it, like swine flu or anything like that? If you can identify the cro like crossover, because like the next super virus is going to come from like like bat droppings or something like that. So if you can find like a commonality to where it can kind of jump species or get just, ahead of the curve, or just knowing what it is and what potential damage it could yeah. do. Um, so then, having got this data and having made and discovered this new class, they went back and looked at other already published genome data sets from you know various samples use those seven new virus genomes that they'd put together as the, as the reference backbone and were able to discover a further 12 types of this new virus. Oh, so they've got damn. 19 total <laughs> new viruses of this like new class, this single-stranded DNA class. And this is about three kilobases, so, so 3,000 nucleotides uh, of a circle, and that's the whole virus genome. It's just finding new, new things that could kill you that you didn't know beforehand. Well, I don't think that this could necessarily uh, kill you from some of the stuff it they did later. It could make you have pig poop breath. <laughs> it's improvement. Yeah. So uh, they did some control things to check that it wasn't sample contamination from the surroundings or indeed the instruments they were using to collect the samples. Uh, but they have this three killer base genome, 3,000 nucleotide genome, and then they were looked in that to see if they could identify what genes there were. And they found open reading frames are basically genes for three proteins in total. A gene that would cause the replication of the virus, a gene that basically would cause the virus shell, this capsid gene, and a third gene that uh, overlapped that but had no similarity to any known viral proteins. So even though the, these viruses were similar to this porcine stool-associated circle virus, uh, the differences were large enough that they could definitely class it as its own species. It's not the same species. And uh, they actually could even class 
these redondovirus into two individual classes uh, called Vientovirus and uh, Brissavirus. So that's there's two classes now of this new type of virus they discovered. And actually, those are just the Spanish. I googled that because I was like, they probably use Spanish words again. And that's the Spanish for wind and breeze. Those two. Because they ended up in the respiratory. Yeah, I, I guess that's probably the the. I actually had no idea why it would be. You figured it out straight away. That's got to be it. I was like, why the hell would they call it that? Yeah. Um. So they found some also conserved motifs that in- suggests that 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 um, these viruses uh, replicate by a rolling circle replication. It's a type of replication. It's basically, just continuous uh, replication of this circle of DNA that it has. Um, so they they took this data and went and looked at basically metagenomic data from environmental samples to see you know how often you could detect those viruses. And from samples that they looked at from the human oral cavity came up in about 4% of the samples, about 3 and 3.3% of lung samples that they looked at and uh, about 0.6 in the gut. Uh, so it's most frequently seen in the respiratory tract. So 4% of the people that were, they found these they found They in. found these sequences in 4% of samples that they looked at. And this is from uh-huh. a, a variety of disease states or like healthy, so healthy subjects. I wonder if they're all suburban people like around uh, or like uh, rural people with pig farms. But they were not found in any other animals. So it's, you know, not, it's not. It, the virus might be related in sequence to the pig virus, but they didn't in any animal. Well, these are found in animals, not people. These are found in people, not animals, these redondoviruses. Oh, okay. It wasn't found in any other animals, freshwater, marine, or soil samples. And that was a, a 1,087 non-human samples that they looked at total. Bunch of people getting on that jankum. Poo huffing. <laughs> Remember that when people... <laughs> like oh, scat ago. play? No, no, people play. were, were they, smelling they, poop and getting high off. They of would it. Huff, yeah, they would they would pee and poop in a bottle or yeah, or, or a container. Yeah. They put a they they would put a balloon on the top of it. Yep. And so it ferments. Yep. And it, no. it, it yes. produces gases. Just and then it, fucking and then do it meth like an adult. And they'd pop the balloon off and they'd start huffing it. It's oh, called jankum. Yeah. Jankum. It would make people oh, high. Yeah. That's just- <laughs> Dude, I just ate pasta the salad. What dirty, the fuck is wrong? The shirt is gagging. Just over Just do meth like an adult is what I said. <laughs> meth? Yeah, but you got an endless supply oh, as long God. as you keep eating Wendy's. You can always you have an endless supply high. of jankum. So, Dude, I'm 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 only poo huffing vegan jankum. <laughs> so so they wanted to see. This is a small virus. They wanted to see does it need other viruses to uh, basically perform helper functions because some other small viruses require basically co-infection with larger DNA viruses. Like a parasitic relationship. Yeah, yeah or symbiotic, yeah. yeah. Um, and they actually only found one significant association, but that was another small DNA virus. And they, So they don't think it actually needs other viruses, and it might just be the inflammatory uh, you know, uh, environment of, diseased, of a diseased respiratory state that, mm-hmm. could, that could cause an environment that helps this uh, virus replicate. Uh, and so... To look at that a bit further, they looked at the viruses and whether they were associated with any disease. And they, uh, in analyzing those um, data sets from like either critically ill individuals or uh, you know healthy individuals, they found that it was present, you know, in in both sets at a fairly, a relatively equal level. Uh, so, uh, from the critically ill individuals, nine uh, percent had. Uh, orthopharyngeal samples that were positive for this virus and in both genders and uh, in the unhealthy patients it was present at 10,000 times greater levels than when they detected it in healthy patients so it's huge there's it's far more in these uh, in these ill individuals especially uh, in the periodontal disease they found a considerable proportion of positive samples. So interestingly enough, with patients that were treated for this periodontal disease, you know, beforehand they had a high amount of this virus and that level dropped off significantly when they looked at those patients after they'd been treated and had a response to the treatment. And so they had two or three data sets that they were looking through to show that this this effect seemed to follow. Like in a disease state, you have more of this virus. That doesn't mean that the virus causes the disease 
It just means perhaps kind of latched on like a like a weak gazelle. Well, well but it creates an environment where yeah. more, the, the, it's susceptible to it. Basically, it that could be what's happening. Uh, so they don't just, they don't suggest that it's causing the disease, but that but it's interesting that they've identified this, and now that this has been identified, these viruses can be studied, and actually, it's the second most common virus after anello virus. Like now they've identified it, it's the second most common virus in the respiratory tract. So it's important now to study the function and effect that they have on cells they're residing in because maybe they don't cause any disease, but it could be that because there's so many of them there, they actually, once the disease state has reached a certain level, maybe they are causing a problem. Who knows? Oh, I see. So uh, that is the study. So I want, I want you guys to uh, recite back to me what you think this group did and what you think the importance is. Well, I've got it. So if you guys want to go first or last, you let me know. Look, this is this is Sammy and the bad boy answers right now. So get him, coach. coach. All right. All right. Here we go, bad boys. You guys ready for this? Look, whenever I can't do something, you guys just step in. And no, no, I'll rebound. I'll okay, rebound. Right, rebound. All right. Miss. Offensive rebounds. All right. Here uh, we go. I think Will could take, take the face. He's looking confident. No, I zoned out like after, <laughs> okay. you, after you after you said respiratory wrong instead of it said respiratory. Respir- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Wish, I was like, I'm done. I wish you didn't say it that way too. Yeah. Were, were you guys when you that? started mispronouncing the article, I was like, you don't know shit about that. <laughs> <laughs> <Come on. laughs> okay, all right. So here we go. So there are these um, there are these viruses that are round in their shape, mm-hmm. and they. Uh, have recently been partially decoded. 17% of them are to be understood. And they live in the respiratory and mouth region. And they found that part of this disease, these single strains, matches up with a certain virus or strain found in pig. Pig poop? Yeah, pig. Okay. And then through the study of this, they were able to deduce and find other diseases from other, this other viruses other yeah. viruses from this strain and then what they found is is that in sick people you're more likely to have this strain of virus it's the second most common strain of virus right in yeah. the in the respiratory you're, system you're, yeah you're more <laughs> yeah you're more likely to <laughs> You're more likely to have this, which is inconclusive in its results, meaning that we don't know if it necessarily creates it. But uh, if you are sick and you have this, it's possible that there are other periodontic or orthotic or respiratory diseases happening in your mouth, lung, alveoli area. Yeah. It's, uh, and that there's a lot more of them in, in a sick disease state. 10,000 mm-hmm. times as much. Right. I think you did a pretty great job. Yeah, I'm, I'm pl- actually impressed. Yeah. Applause, applause for the Sammy Anza, the bad boy Anza. I don't even like yeah. science. Got to check his You got to check his Tinder DMs. Just smooth, smooth talk the whole time. So great job, guys. That brings us uh, to the end of the show. But of course, I give a chance for the guests to flip the tables, reveal a fact to me. That they, uh, that they know, impart some knowledge here. So I always ask my guests to, uh, to bring one. Will, do you have a fact for me today? I do, in fact, have a fact. The Ole Miss Rebels <laughs> beat the University of Georgia today in the SEC Regional Championship. Of which sport? Baseball. Yes. Not, yes, they not the chip. It was the semifinals. They get the chip. The chip tomorrow. How pleased does that make you? Uh, extremely pleased. Uh, extremely pleased. Uh, we beat Arkansas the other day, and uh, now uh, wonderful comic Troy Giddings owes me money. Yeah, yeah. That's a uh, that's great. So, how much does he owe you? Twenty bucks. That's all right. That's eh. all right for a sports bet. That's a healthy sports <laughs> yeah, bet. It's, it's not not too bad. It's not going to break the bank. It's not a gentleman's bet, but yeah. Uh, and Ross, do you have a fact for us today? I do. Bob Dylan turned 78 yesterday. 78? He's 78 years old. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Still kicking. Sounds like shit on stage, but it's, it's, he, Bob, it's Bob per- Dylan, so who cares? Is man? he still performing? He's still performing. He played at the Orpheum, uh, I believe, two years ago. Wow. But one of the things I admire about him, he was so nervous when he started out that he would go play open mics, and he would say, instead of saying it was his song, he would say, this is a cover 
of some no-name artist from Kentucky or like in mm. Illinois or whatever, and he'd sing the song. And if people liked it, he would say, "I was just joking. That was that was my song." Oh. So we'd never claim ownership to a song because he was so self-conscious. Pussy. And you know, it's nerve-wracking when you first, you know, you're coming out material or this, that, and the other. Nuh-uh. So if people didn't like it, but that's how he got over stage fright and fear of revealing his. That's kind of uh, like when I pick up hitchhikers and I'll play music for them, and they'll be like, "Who's this?" I'll be like, "It's my band." <laughs> they still don't sleep with me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great fact. And uh, and Sammy, do you have a fact for us today? I do. Mine is also music related. Um, did you guys know that? Uh, Tupac Shakur shot two off-duty police officers and got away with it. No, I don't know that. Yes, he did. Yeah, wow. he did. They were like assaulting him, and they were like undercover, and they were, and then they like pulled out their guns, and he shot them both. And because they didn't have like didn't a right, and, yeah. and they didn't identify themselves, he got away with it. Really get out of here. That's awesome. You know what's mind blowing about Tupac? He died at twenty-four. Yeah. Or 25 or 20, 26. He was 26? Yeah. Just a baby. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 30. You're 30? How old are you? 29. 29? 29. But I aged like 41. All right, 35. Dude, 26? Think about you at 26. Yeah. Tupac was still fighting people in like the in in like in casinos <laughs> like the like the night before. Just babies. Notorious B.I.G., 25. I think he was 25, 24. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Just, that's what blows my mind. Is how young they really were. But I look at Tupac as a grown man when I think right, about him. Right, right, hey, right, right. He was just a child. Yeah. Hey, I mean, Hunter. I mean, this is this is all the physicists, man. Twenty three, early twenties, twenty one. Doing, his best work. Yeah. doing yeah. their best work. Cops. It's hard 100%. mileage. Hunter, do you have a fact? I don't. And that brings us to the end of the show. <laughs> that brings us to the end of the show, uh, where of course I give my guests a chance to plug anything they've got going on. So starting with you, Sammy, what have you got to plug? Um, well, I'm going to go on a, I have a one-way ticket to Japan, so I'm going to be gone for a little bit. But when I get back, Drafts and Laughs is getting started back up in Denver, Colorado. Fantastic. And that is at the, what, what brewery is that? Odell Brewing. Excellent. You bought a one-way ticket to Japan? Yeah. <laughs> so how do you know Drafts and Laughs? <laughs> Listen. Listen, I'm <laughs> I didn't have. I didn't think you were gonna. No, no, no you know what? Because I wish I had more time. Because I know that you bought a one-way ticket to India. Yeah, and you made it back. Yeah. That's a ballsy move, dude. I got so sick of India. You, my head went. Dude, bad boy, Anzer. I don't know if you're pulling that shit off when you go to India. He went with. He went without a visa. I know. I know the whole uh, yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, I know the whole story. It's. It's a. It's honestly. It's a ballsy move, and I love it. And you're doing it at 30, so you know better. <laughs> you're still doing it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Ross, do you have anything to plug? You know, it doesn't give a shit about borders. <laughs> We're all just people of the world, man. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, what race are you? I'm human. <laughs> <laughs> I'm living it, baby. Yep. Uh, Ross, do you have anything to plug for us today? Oh, what wins is coming out? Uh, this will come out in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Um, yeah, no, nothing. nothing. <laughs> Everything I got booked is like in the Your next, social like, medias, weeks. maybe? Oh. At Artificial Ross Instagram, uh, Facebook, you know, Ross Turner on 98 with the Max. What's up? You can also find him at Bad Boy Anzer on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can find Ross Turner at Bad Boy Anzer. <laughs> I fucking love that you buy one-way tickets, man. There's like a weird desperation in all that. Like you set yourself up. You put you yourself in a corner. Where, yeah. You put yourself in a box and you got to paint yourself out of that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Is that, what, is that why you're doing it? Yeah, basically. I, I don't I haven't even planned the trip yet. See, I love that so much. I think that's, like, yeah. You weren't doing that when you were chasing fucking crescent moons in, in Siberia, were you? No, we, um, we, we had a ticket back, but. Uh... Yeah, dude, you ballsy motherfucker. I love it. Hey, no one else is doing that at this table. That's true. No, but you can find me in Austin, Texas <laughs> on June 13th through the 16th. I will be doing a bunch of shows out there. Uh, you can find us at The Secret Show on Wednesday, uh, June 5th or 19th down at local gastro pub downtown. You can find us at the Mississippi Ale House on June 7th. And our flagship uh, promotion is, at, of course, at Memphis Made Drafts and Laughs on June 8th. 
What's that? Will, are we having more shows? You're goddamn right. Because on June 27th, we'll be at Dark Match out at Meddlesome Brewery. And then I'll be in Atlanta in July. And then in August, I'll be in Mississippi and Louisiana. Right. And his social media is also at Bad (laughs) (laughs) My My social media is uh, William Lynn Loden Jr. on Facebook and Will underscore Loden on Instagram. I don't have a Twitter because fuck Twitter. All right. And you can find the Comic Comedian shows on Facebook. Hold on. Before we close this, you guys are not acknowledging the fact that this guy's buying one-way tickets to other countries. I couldn't give a shit. And not give a shit. You don't (laughs) give a shit. I don't give a shit. You don't think that's crazy? He'll he'll find his way back. (laughs) I really don't care. Yeah. I mean, aren't you somewhere like near a trust funder maybe? No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, don't you have like... How much money you got in your bank account right now? How much money? I have $1,000 in my checking account. And then I have like, and what's the uh, what's no, the account what's number on that? Yeah, no. <laughs> how much you got, how much you got in your savings? Like probably like twenty. Okay. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, I'm gonna be okay. all right. Yeah, all right. Never I'm, mind. I'm, I'm I'm basically responsible. a trust funder. I don't know. <laughs> you got twenty thousand dollars of your own money. Your trust funder <laughs> compared to me. Yeah, compared to me as well. I'm like, oh, you can fucking circle the globe six times. <laughs> yeah. All right. I made some good money. Moves. All right. You know what? Now, now I'm with them. I really don't give a shit. <laughs> it's that fucking admirable. You got 20 grand in the bank. Hey, man. All right. I still think it's a ballsy move. It is. Yeah. All right. Uh, ballsy move or one we don't care about. That does bring, to, bring us to the end of the show. Uh, thank you guys for coming on. Having a good time with us. Uh, that's all for today. So good, good night. Dr. Heckle is an OAM Network production, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and theoamnetwork.com. Recorded at the Crosstown Concourse in Memphis, Tennessee. Your host was Mark Brimble. Guests were Sammy Anzer, Will Loden, and Ross Turner. The show was produced by Mark Brimble, Gil Worth, and Hunter Sandlin. Music by Kip Yulhorn. Special thanks to Lauren Riggins and the Comic Comedians. Find us on our Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or if you have any questions, comments, or like to get in touch about appearing on the show, or topics you'd like us to cover, email us at drhecklepod at gmail.com. The OAM Network is an independently run podcast and live production company in Memphis, Tennessee. TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast.